This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me on the program this evening. Chris will be back later in the week. Uh, but uh, to start the show, I'm joined by former mayor of Taunton and current Bristol County Register of Probate, Tom Hoy. Registered hey, Marcus, Hoy. How are you? Good. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Survived the big storm. Yeah, right. Uh, me, me too. So, so, um, so, Tom, uh, you were the mayor of Totten. Uh, you had filled a vacancy um, uh, that was left uh, when Gina DeRossi had left to take a job at the trial court to be the register of probate. It is an elected position. You were then formally elected to the position uh, later that year. But, uh, Tom, just for people who don't know, what is the role of the register of probate in Bristol County? We are essentially, or, or I am essentially, the, the clerk of the family and probate court. We are the keeper of the records. Anyone that files in uh, probate and family court would start in my office. Um, we, we like to say we're the beginning of the process and then we're the end of the process. So, um, you know, any, you, you could be filing for divorce, guardianship, um, modifications of any of any of those um, of those cases, um, adoptions, you know, unfortunately we deal a lot with restraining orders. So any, anything that has to do with, you know, uh, and, and, you know, estates is another big part of what we do as well. So any anything in those areas, if, if you were going to file with the family and probate court, you would do it in, in my office, which we have three offices, one in Taunton, which is our our main office, and we also have um, full-service registries in uh, New Bedford and, of course, in Fall River as well. Yeah, so, um, you know, that includes probating wills, right, where uh, if, yeah, if someone, ha- if you're a, a someone uh, in your family passes, you need to probate a will, and that uh, is in Bristol County, then uh, they'd be filing with you. Can they file, so can they file in New Bedford and Fall River, or do they have to go to Taunton for that? No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. As long as... As long as we have a judge sitting in those locations, which um, Fall River is almost every day. New Bedford is usually four days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're open, and you know we're uh, we're full of, fully servicing the residents of the county. So we're speaking with Tom Hoy. He's the uh, Bristol County Register of Probate. Tom, you are actually my first ever guest because my my first guest hosting uh, duty uh, was on uh, Phil's show early uh, in the morning, and I, I had you on. It was just days before the pandemic hit. So I think maybe our conversation might've been a little different than it had been, uh, if it were a week later, uh, how did you guys work through all of that stuff in the pandemic? Uh, you know, what, what changes did you have to make? Well, I'm not even, <laughs> I'm not, that, well, I, 
that's a distinct honor, first of all, Marcus, <laughs> that I was your first guest. Thank you. Um, but it's been it's been kind of a whirlwind. I don't I don't know what normal is or was anymore. Um, yeah. we, we did a lot of things. We, we had to adapt and, you know, really um, kind of learn quickly on our feet during the pandemic. You know, the trial court isn't an organization that was well, you know, that is well, well set up for, you know, or was well set up for zoom hearings yeah. and, and, um, and to, you know, to do things, um, you know, over, over, over the network, we, we just weren't, um, the, the courthouses don't, you know, don't have Wi-Fi. Uh, the, the, the programming is old and antiquated. Uh, so we kind of had to reinvent ourselves. And I, and I like to think that in Bristol County, we certainly did. Um, it, it, it was, it was a struggle. It, we had, you know, at times we were working, um, almost fully remote. We'd have teams of like you know, uh, five or six people in the office trying to process work, you know, while the courthouses were closed. We didn't have the equipment at first to really have people uh, working from home. Thankfully, now we do. Um, you know, the, the, the trial court has really learned um, through this process, and I, I think it's made it a, a, a more accessible courthouse. But during the pandemic, you know, it, it was tough. Um, you know, we we were able to, we were one of the first registries in the Commonwealth to set up what's called a, a virtual registry, which is still going strong today, uh, where where our court users could could call us or, or, or video us, you know, through Zoom. And it would be just like being in the registry. You could have your questions answered. You could, uh, you know, you could receive paperwork that you'd have to fill out. Um, E-filing has become much more prolific as well um, within this family and probate court. It, it's been difficult, though, you know, um, because because of these increased accesses, through, you know, through the pandemic, which were necessary. It's really it's really caused us to have to really up our game as, as far as, you know, staffing. So. You know, we've been through a transition where we had a lot of folks retire, you know, throughout the pandemic. Um, so, we, you know, we've been training new staff members. And, you know, it's, it's for the betterment of, of the registry. And I think we're a stronger registry than we were before the pandemic. And I'm proud to say our employees have worked extremely hard in, in getting folks what they needed. And now that, you know, we're back open, I think we're stronger than ever before. We're speaking with Tom Hoy. He's the former mayor of Taunton. He's now the Bristol County Register of uh, Probate. So you went from uh, being the mayor of Taunton to being um, to, to, to elevating to that position of Bristol County Register of Probate. What kind of experiences did you carry with you from being the mayor of Taunton to that role? And, and you know, how, how did that help you? The main thing is, is managerial experience. Um, you know, they're, di- they're, they're different roles. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but I, I bring a strong manage easy for me to say, Marcus. <laughs> I, I bring a strong managerial presence with me. Um, you know, with eight, eight years being the chief executive in Taunton, um, you know, where I supervise, you know, over a thousand people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a much smaller number now, but it's, you know, it's much more quaint. And I get, you know, I know everybody on the staff, um, we deal with many personnel, you know, different personnel issues. But I think that the strongest thing that that I bring is my leadership skills. 
and that you know that's you know it's something that that you know can be can be nurtured but i think it's really something you're born with and, and you build over time and i think i've been effectively been able to do that and i think you know my my leadership presence there has been felt in, in the um in the in the registry and you know it, it, the um mayor's office certainly gave me a strong training ground for that so um Tom, uh, you were talking about e-filing. This is something that's that's uh, I, I find particularly interesting because the last time I, you know, I, I haven't practiced in probate and family court in a long time, and uh, that 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 function wasn't available. So, where can people go to if they want to e-file family court dot you know family court stuff or or probate stuff? There's a link off off of my website, which is uh, bristolcountyprobate.org. That's that's the um, you know, the Mass Trial Court also has, um, in mass.gov, has links right off it as well. That you, that you can find that. Um, it's it's very easy to find. It, I know that there's quite a few kinks in the system still. Of course. Um, that's being worked out. I think, you know, both by by the, you know, the, the users of the court and also also staff. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a, it was a tough transition. Because you know now you have to make sure everything's in order before you accept it. So if everything's not in order, you have to you have to reject it and send it back. So it's it's been quite a learning experience. But I think you know everybody is getting better at it, and it's you know it's the wave of the future. I think you know the more that we can work out some of the kinks, and really make, and make it talk better uh, to the mass court system. I think that's going to go a long way too. I mean, there's, there's a huge bond bill that the um, several million dollars that the trial court received to improve their technology and hopefully you know, hopefully we do so because we, we that you know we greatly need to do so uh, because you know mass courts is another old system you know a lot of folks especially yeah. Southeast Massachusetts that practice in Rhode Island will tell you the system in Rhode Island is 10 times better than what we have here and that's not usually something you know we, we want to hear here in Massachusetts so you know I think the um, the trial court hierarchy knows that you know we have to up our game and we have to make that investment in infrastructure that I think we've you know kind of failed to make over the last decade. So the, the time is now to do that. It's going to make it better for not only court staff but you know, more importantly, court users. That's interesting. Yeah, Mass Courts is is a is a fairly dated system uh, for sure. Uh, as someone who has used Mass Courts uh, in the past, so Tom. Uh, uh, is there a timeline for when you know? I know this money's uh, appropriated and then implemented to rebuild this this uh, you know digital infrastructure. I'm hoping. I'm hopeful in the next year or two we're going to see some movement. We keep hearing you know about about the money that was allocated. So now it's time to see you know to, to put that that our core leaders put that to use. Um, we really need it, and I, I think I don't think you're going to find you know, an attorney or a court user or an employee that's going to really tell you differently that the systems need to be improved. You know, not only, you know, not only for the software, was the software behind, but the, the machines, you know, the, the you know, the, the, the computers we, we were using were, were right. extremely dated as well. So we've made that big jump and, you know, everybody's equipped with laptops now, pretty much all staff or most of the staff now can work from home. Not just in the family and probate court, but in, in the other courts, or I should say, work remotely if, if needed. So we're a much more mobile system than we were before. You know, when when the pandemic hit, the you know the court really, like I said, was not prepared for it. And I think it's it's taught us 
you know, that we need to make that critical investment that I think, you know, hasn't been made in the past. So hopefully we're on the, on the road forward there. Speaking with Tom Hoyes, the Bristol County Register of Probate runs the family and probate courts for the uh, for uh, all of Bristol County. There's uh, courthouses in Taunton, New Bedford, and uh, and Fall River. So, is the the attorney window still there um, in, uh, in in Taunton? Because that was one of the things I um, I've been to a you know in my heyday. I was I've been to practice at a few probate courts, and some of them were. Uh, less friendly to others than attorneys. Like one of them, I'm like, "Hey, I'm a lawyer," and they're like, "Yeah, that's nice. Pick a number." And <laughs> <laughs> no, we we've um, we've made sure that we've maintained those those windows. Um, it, it's important because typically, um, you know, lawyers come in their their um, their motions are prepared. You know, every, everything's well prepared. So it's if we can take take those filings in quicker. Um, it gives us, you know, it gives the staff more time um, to work with with those folks that don't come in with attorneys that you know need a little bit more um, attention and, and should get that attention. We try to give everybody that walks into the family. We want we want to make sure everything's welcome, everyone's welcome, and that our customer service is paramount. And it, it's a tough place because people. You know, they're not coming in there usually because, you know, besides adoptions, you know, folks aren't coming to the family and probate court because they're having a great day usually. Yeah. No. Um, you know, no one wants to, you know, wants to come in and say, hey, I'm here to file a divorce. <laughs> yeah, right. Those aren't things that people, real, you know, really want to do, and you know, then or someone, you know, hasn't been paid child support in, you know, several months or in some cases a year and or several years sometimes. And, and people... You know, uh, it, it can be an intimidating system. So we sure. try to be a friendly face um, and, and try to help people as much as we possibly can within within you know what we're able to do. So uh, we're speaking with Tom Hoy. He's the Bristol County Register of Probate. He um, runs the probate and family courts here in Bristol County. So, so Tom, uh, the one of the programs uh, I think that the, that's always been in the uh, in these in these um, uh, probate and family court systems has been the Lawyer of the Day program. Has that been still available uh, after the pandemic and all of that? And, and if so, uh, when can people sort of access that that service? It is- it is. Um, it's almost. It's probably ninety percent done by Zoom now. Okay. Um, the the attorneys find it easier mm. because they can sit in their office and not you know not have to come down and you know maybe people show up maybe they don't. Um, yeah. But it's an extremely popular program, and that again can be found on our website at BristolCountyProbate.org, um, and you can find the dates and times available for that. We're always looking for volunteers, so Marcus, we'd love to have you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not as well versed in 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 that in that law as I used to be. So, but uh, but maybe no, we're we're, all, we're always looking for for you know attorneys in Bristol County to volunteer for the for this you know very very uh, much needed and appreciated program. So, um, you know, if anybody's listening, if you'd like to volunteer, just uh, give us give us a shout. Yeah, because um, it's basically it's it's free guidance that's offered by an attorney who, who's uh, you know I guess on Zoom now for the day that they uh, that people can ask questions to and and, it, and it's helpful because I'm, I'm I don't want to say the majority of people there are pro se which means they don't have an attorney but it's probably a good number of them that that have to go to the that have to do their uh, their business at the family and probate court without a lawyer. Oh yeah, I, I mean the majority of our uh, of. Our court uses our pro se, um, 
and, and, and as I mentioned earlier, it's, it, it can be a daunting process. It's, yeah. Sometimes I even say, why all this paperwork? <laughs> yeah. But this is, uh, this is what, you know, this is what the executive office, you know, has wanted. And, you know, one thing with, you know, and I, uh, our Chief Justice John Casey was really tr- trying to make these courts all kind of look alike. So, you know, what's happening in Bristol County should be happening in Plymouth County, should mm-hmm. be happening in Norfolk County. But that's not, unfortunately, that's not always the case. So I know, you know, Attorneys and pro se litigants alike get frustrated because something that may, you know, may happen in Bristol County may not happen in Essex County, for instance. And they're trying to centralize everything. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, that comes on board as well to make us, you know, a stronger court statewide. Well, so um, uh, you, you, you you talked about the chief justice. Every courthouse or every court system typically does have a chief chief justice. What's sort of the role of the chief justice, and how do you guys work together to to, to make those services um, better for for people who have business in front of the court? Well, I think you know Chief Casey's done a good job, and he, he his role is you know he oversees the the um, the probate and family court for the entire state. So you know each. Okay. Um, each county has, has has a presiding first justice right. in, in in our court. We have Chief ju- uh, Presiding Judge Captain Field, who who's excellent. Um, so Chief Casey oversees all all the chief all the presiding uh, justices as well as all the registers. So he's you know the kind of the buck stops with him, and um, I, th- I think he's done a good job at trying to get everybody rowing in the same direction. Hasn't been easy for him either, you know. You know, he he came on a little bit before I did, but you know, he was greeted with with a pandemic as well. Of so, um, you know, he he's done a great job. He's originally from Attleboro. He he knows Bristol County very very well uh, as he practiced here, and I believe he he sat in Norfolk County um, when he when he was um, what when he was you know. Um, presiding there and um just he's just done a great job he's a really down-to-earth guy he cares about people and, and that's the most important thing you have to be able to put yourself i think in in the role of the folks that you know that, that need our court and um you have to look out for them too so it, it's a difficult balancing act you know because he wants to obviously you want to make the, the judges happy you want to make the registers happy but you also have to you know really the most important person people are the folks that use our court, and he's done a great job with that. So uh, when I saw you last, it was at the uh, Boys and Girls Club in Taunton. Um, Governor Healy and Lieutenant Governor Driscoll have, uh, you know, were visiting as part of a pre- pre-inaugural uh, event there, participating in a, in a food and in, uh, school supplies drive. And uh, what's um, what are some of the things, have you had any conversations with them? I know you probably know Mayor Driscoll, uh, Lieutenant Governor Driscoll well from, from the Massachusetts Associ- Association of Mayors and all that. Have you had any conversations with them about uh, how to better improve the uh, the court system? And what are you sort of looking forward to with their uh, with their leadership? Well, I, I think, you know, I, I think one of, I mean, to, to answer the first part of your question, we didn't have the opportunity to have that discussion, but I look forward um, to having that discussion with them. Um, I have a, I have to say I have a great relationship with both of them. Um, I got to know then Attorney General Maura Healy 
very well during you know during the um, opioid crisis. Right. As, as she held her first roundtable in time, um, dealing with the crisis, because as, as as you probably remember, um, Taunton was probably or at least one of the first communities to really come out publicly um, against the opioid crisis. We had had a we had had a string of deaths um, over a very it was about a three or four week period. We had about twenty overdose deaths in Taunton. So my God. Uh, much to is back in 2014 and much to you know i had a lot of critics you know that were kind of give you know kind of giving me a hard time um about holding you know i had i was one of the first to have an open community forum because nobody really knew what to do there was you know people say oh we have to you know say no to drugs and stop drugs but how do you make that happen and i think it was a scary a scary period of time for all of us and you know i spoke I was one of the first mayors to you know speak publicly against it or at least ask me for help. So I get you know, people were very critical because people were like, Well, so they're gonna think Taunton's a, a drug haven. I'm like, you know, everybody every place could be a drug haven now. I mean, this isn't this isn't a, a drug that discriminates. There's people of, you know, all race, creeds, color, or socioeconomic value. It didn't matter. So um, you know, I was very involved with that and I got to know and I was on her Project Best Committee, you know, when she announced her lawsuit against Big Farmer, you know, I was one of her speakers. So, you know, I, I know her pretty well. Um, I think she's going to do, a, I, I, and I think she's going to do a great job. I think she has the energy. I think she has the passion. And I think she has um, the support behind her to um, continue to move Massachusetts forward. I think, you know, I think Charlie Baker and, you know, Karen Polito, did a great job. I think they yeah. had to lead under very trying circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think they, you know, took a lot of, got a lot of criticism at times during the, the COVID uh, epidemic. But I think, um, I think they, I, I think they stood, stood firm, stood, stood their ground. And I think they continued to move Massachusetts forward, even, even during the pandemic. Um, so I certainly salute them. And I think Maura Healy's a, in, in is the right person to to lead the state going forward. So I'm, I'm happy that she's there, and I'm excited to see what she's going to bring to the table. We're speaking with Bristol County Register of Probate and Mayor, uh, former Mayor of Taunton, uh, Tom Hoy. So uh, we talked about you know the Lawyer of the Day program. We talked about the um, e-filing program that you guys have. Uh, you know, in the uh, hopefully soon to be revamping of of the digital infrastructure of the trial court system in general. Is there anything else that uh, we haven't uh, covered that you'd like to highlight? No, just that we've really, uh, especially down in New Bedford, you know that. The, the executive office at one point really wanted to close the probate and family court yeah. down there, but it, you know, it was, you know, through, you know, our lobbying, um, you, you know, my lobbying and, uh, some of the, some of the state reps in the area, you know, the, the, the were very much involved in it and the Bristol County Bar Association. So through all, through everyone's efforts, um, the building is still open. It's, it's still there and it's there to stay. So I'm happy very happy about that it certainly gives the folks who do bedford um you know many who don't you know don't have transportation yeah now they don't have to come to taunton to go to fall river to do their business and, and I'm, I'm proud of that and that's and you know it's a it's a pretty centralized location too it's downtown right on uh, i believe it's south second street but it's right yeah. near the dunkin donuts it's downtown and yeah it's uh 
it's it's an old building, but it certainly serves its purpose, and, and we're glad to be there. Absolutely. So, uh, Bristol County Register of Probate, Tom Hoy, um, I thank you so much for joining me this evening. I look forward to having more conversations with you going forward as, as some of these uh, exciting new developments um, start to progress. Absolutely. Go go Bucks tonight. Are we with the Bucks tonight, Mark? Of course. Yeah, of course we're with the Bucks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. You too, Tom. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, that was Bristol County Register of Probate and Mayor of Taunton, Tom Hoy. A lot of exciting stuff. Uh, you know, I met, I met Tom when he was the mayor. Uh, I think he was the mayor of Taunton at the time, and he'd soon to have been appointed uh, appointed to the vacancy on the registry of probate by uh, Charlie Baker. Doing a lot of great work there. Something I'm interested in, obviously, as someone who's practiced in that system and other court systems throughout the Commonwealth. And uh, I think it's really important information for a lot of people because everybody, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people do have uh, family law disputes, and um, but everybody has a relative who passes, and there's always something to, you know, there's typically uh, a will that needs to be probated or even if it's intestate there might be some procedures you have to go intestate meaning the person dies without a will there's some procedures that you may have to go through um to you know to make sure that the uh, estate is di- divided up legally and equitably and all of that so uh appreciate uh register hoy um coming on and sharing the uh you know the the, the news that's happening over there all right i'm going to take a break 508-996-0500 so you can join me open phone lines the rest of the evening obviously we're going to cover mayor mitchell's comments later in the show on the um on the Morad pay raises, he thinks that they should be amend. Uh, they he thinks they should be amended again, and we'll play some audio from from what he had said on WPRI over the weekend because it is going to be important in the local conversation about that. And we'll also take your calls on you know whatever uh, topic you you'd like to cover. Uh, so five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. So you can join me this evening. We're also taking messages on the WBSM app chat. This is uh, South Coast Night. I'm Marcus. I- I see a call. I see some. I see some calls on the line. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll get to your calls when we get back. Fourteen twenty WB. Good evening. You're live. Good evening, Christian and Marcus. Uh, first of all, happy New Year to you, gentlemen. Happy New Year. Hi. It's just me tonight. Chris will be back later in the week. Oh, okay. Well, you're always so gracious on on the um, on your program, and I appreciate that. Thanks. Um, I'd like to bring up a topic that has bothered me since Governor Healy took office, and maybe you can reassure me on this, but uh, it's making me a little bit nervous. First of all, um, she is a very smart woman. I just got reading done reading Empire of, Empire of Pain by Patrick Keefe, which dealt with the Sackler dynasty and the uh, opiate, you know, uh, how they marketed that. Yeah. She was very tenacious, very tenacious. She was. Um, in, uh, in, in bringing them to court for different things. She, she was really, she, she was on this. And, and she secured some judgments for New Bedford, Taunton, Fall River. You know, she mm-hmm. secured from, uh, some money from them as well uh, for, for, for cities and towns in the Commonwealth. She, she did, uh, when I read the chapter about her, um, it, it's impressive. But on another other note, um, I am concerned about her administrative border with the climate change. Um, this is from the, web, the website. Okay. The climate crisis is the greatest challenge. Um, it, there's an enormous opportunity. I'm filing the executive 
order today on the first day uh, because we have no time to delay. And it's essential that we begin coordinating our climate policy. Honestly, Marcus, this is frightening me because are we going to um, are we going to be like uh, in the dark? We are in a cold environment. We have. I would like our electric costs to be down. I would like her to address the cost of of energy in yeah. our state. Okay, first of all, um, I would like that addressed. More, more than I'm, I'm afraid that that they might like go into all the towns like Dartmouth is dealing with in Westport with this uh, Title Five, yeah. forcing some unrealistic um, things to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it scares me. It really scares scares me. I think we had better, uh, bigger issues in the state to deal with, and prob- probably. I would go with the cost of energy uh, for our basic utilities. I would like your comments and if you could reassure me about this bill because um, I'm going to go for a patent for the footmobile because we might be using Freddie Flintstone cars. In the <laughs> so, so here's <laughs> so here's um for so our, the the executive order she had signed on the first day. Uh, yeah. It was the very first thing she announced uh, when she got sworn in as governor, which was creating an office of climate resilience, right? And then uh, appointing a cabinet-level position of climate chief, which is the first of its kind in the in the Commonwealth. Uh, in terms in of energy costs... In the, in the nation. In the, yeah, I mean, yeah. in the nation, right, in the nation. Yeah. In terms of... Um, so here's my... Here's my thing. I don't think that the conversation around climate resiliency or climate action and uh, economic development or energy costs are mutually exclusive. I think they're actually necessary to move forward. We're seeing a lot of money being, uh, you know, being put into offshore wind here. And a lot of that has to do with creating alternative sources of energy like electricity to eventually keep the cost down in the immediate future. I can't really speak to what governor healy's going to do for that because i don't think she's been entirely clear on it what i would say what is one of the things i remember she did when she was attorney general was uh when the trump's when the trump tax cuts had went into law uh eversource had uh obviously stood to make a great deal of money the utility companies had stood to make a great deal of money from the trump tax cut law and she had basically enforced and it was upheld in court um a mechanism in which uh they would have to use some of their the money that they had saved from the trump tax cut law to um lower energy costs for uh consumers in the commonwealth now uh, you know, it's probably ameliorating or making better what is already a pretty bad situation. But I don't I think more Healy is probably because she's a, just maybe a little bit more progressive than Charlie Baker was on climate action. Charlie Baker was pretty good on climate action. So I think she's going to govern more from the center than people think she think she might. So, um, you know, in terms of her energy policy, we're going to have to wait and see. But I do think that the conversations around, um, you know, making things more sustainable and maintaining lower energy costs, I think those things are, are, are actually necessary um, to move forward, because obviously the the cost of oil, uh, the, the cost of oil and all of that is, is, is going up. And that's one of the big reasons um, why the energy is going up. So if we're able to get, you know, if we're able to find alternative sources of energy, I think that would be better for us going forward. But I can't I can't point to a specific thing right now because 
One of the criticisms of Maura Healy's um, campaign and even her early days of governing is that she hasn't been um, heavy on details uh, and she still hasn't yet. So um, what we can do is, you know, uh, I can, you know, we we can try to have conversations with Governor Healy and Lieutenant Governor uh, Driscoll and see, you know, what exactly they're going to do to lower energy costs. And then, you know, I can bring that to the program. Um, that's the best I can offer at this juncture. I would love that, Marcus, because um, some things sound good, but when but when it gets down to the nitty gritty, it's impossible. And I, I just feel sure. I don't want us to be uh, in other California because I don't want electric cars running out of energy. You, you know, you're stuck on the road and that kind of thing. We're rather congested area. It, we do have winters here and whatnot. Um, so I would appreciate that. The I, other I think the is- primary difference between oh. California, I'm, I'm sorry to jump in, okay. but um, I think no, the no. primary difference between a, a state like Cal- what California is doing when they say we need all we need uh, we're going to have all EVs by 2035. California is a very big state. And uh, they're one of the top one of they're one of the quite literally one of the largest economies in the world. So they're in a position where they have market demand and they can actually drive the market. I don't know if Massachusetts is in as unique of a position, but I think that any conversation that they're going to have regarding um, mandating electrical vehicles or switching to more like. You know, the whole the big the stupid gas stove argument that uh, Republicans have been having for the last week or so. Um, I think any conversation about that is going to necessarily include uh, some government uh, subsidy or some government uh, intervention to make those costs workable for everyday uh, Americans. I don't think they can leave people out on a lurch like that. Okay. In the meantime, I'll be working on my footmobile. Okay. And, you know, just in time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hamster <laughs> wheel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No Thank problem. You so much. Thanks for the call. Take I appreciate care. it. All right. 508-996-0500 is how you get the program. You know, the, the uh, Healy had come down for a climate roundtable actually um, last week. We talked about that quite a bit. We got some interest from the audience on it as well. Um, the cost of energy is going up. That part part of that has to do with um, the cost of of you know oil, natural gas going up uh, as well. It's a finite resource that we need to um, necessarily start moving away from uh, to in order to you know have a more economically sustainable energy policy. So we'll we'll see. Again, I, I haven't gotten too many specifics on that, but what I'll do. Uh, later is is see if to to the extent that I can do a deeper dive into Healy's uh, expressed energy policies um, and uh, see if we can come up with uh, sort of an indication on which way they want to go and I mean very nascent you know very early in her tenure so we'll, we'll see all right I got to take this break I see some other calls on the line I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this break and I'll be right back this is South Coast tonight with Marcus Farrell Chris will be back later in the week. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM app. You wash your hands. One's on the left, left, the other on the right. Right. Back in the with you. But they're both ready to call it right down the middle. More of Marcus and Chris on South Coast tonight here on WBSM. So welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 again the program. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think... Governor Healy, when she was attorney general, was on is, um, you know, accountability against the energy companies 
the utility companies that provide the energy for us down here uh, in the South Coast and in the Commonwealth. Um, again, I talked about how she had basically used her office to try to um, to you know to make them apply their profits to more cost sharing measures. I mean, there's still a lot that be, needs to be done, but I think she's been pretty conscious of that so far. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Hello. Hey. Hey. Um, you know what Barry Richards said that uh, Maura Healy drove here the other day for that climate talk with the green energy. Do I know what, what? Barry Rich? I mean, I was there. What? I was at the. I was at the climate talk. She drove in. So she had an SUV. Barry Richards reported she drove a Ford excursion there yes. all by herself. Yes. Fifteen uh, miles to the gallon fossil fuel when you're talking about green energy that the optics of that is just horrible i'm assuming the vehicle she drove she drove and i don't think she i don't know if she drove that herself i'm sure somebody else drove it for her but i'm no, sure still bad. i'm it's sure still oh bad. i there's agree not a hi- there's not a hybrid or an electric vehicle they could have drove to an en- a thing on climate control I, I totally agree with you um i think that you know she just got sworn in so any changes to the vehicles uh, that the that are issued to detail the governor uh, are probably something that she didn't I have know, control over at, that, at that time. That talks about that. Look at John Kerry when he went to get his his award from down in Antarctica. He drove his own private plane when uh, AOC went down to the border because of all those kids in cages that they found out were because of Obama. They, there was twenty five delegates. They all went on separate planes. And she came out. And what do you mean they all went? I mean, AOC didn't take her own plane. She doesn't have well, a plane. She didn't take her own plane, but they she, all went on. They didn't charter a plane. They didn't all go on one plane together. They all but, took but if separate, they took if they, planes. That, I mean, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. If she would, I don't see how if they're getting on passenger planes that are flying to Texas, I don't see how that is in any way contradictory well, to what you they don't were. Think they could, you don't think they could carpool back and forth to the airport or whatever because she was in like an excursion with a driver with the air blasting in August with 125 degrees down in Texas. I think members and- of Congress are probably on, on their own very different and uh, busy schedules, but I will say this. One of the conversations around... Uh, like I said, I just think the optics of these things look really, really bad. When people are talking, but that's about, right, right. You know, but here's the here's the thing. I think some. First of all, I think like seventy five percent of of carbon emissions come from like the Fortune five hundred companies. So like AOC, like more Healy taking it. More Healy probably should electrify that car that that fleets that she has. It's probably something I bet she wants to do, considering she does want to want to move to electrical transportation. But uh, she can't really do it. Like the first day she's in government, she's got governor probably get a new car there's a whole system of appropriations that need to go through for that something like that without showing up in a big excursion yeah again i I think a lot of that's talking points like a lot of that is not not like a lot of that is really just like it it sounds good as a talking point but in terms of like the systemic change to make the environment better more healy driving an excursion isn't going to make any isn't going to make things appreciably worse that's the thing if you say that about everyone then nothing gets done. 
if people say, well, me driving right, a, she, a, a big excursion is not going to. But she literally just be, again, she literally just became governor. If four years into her term or if a year into her term or two years into her term, she's still driving these excursions around and she hasn't tried to make any electrical changes in her, the electrical, ve- the, the fleets to make them electric or make them more fuel efficient or whatever, then I would say you probably have. Um, I'd say that's probably a better point than it is when she just became the governor. But the part of the again, part of that is probably a lot of that has to do with she's the governor. She gets a state police detail right to protect her because she's the top right. top chief and, executive and in the lot, Commonwealth. A lot of the state police vehicles are hybrids. Right. Most of them that I see now are hybrids. Right. And, and so, again, I, mean, I saw the videos. I, I mean, I saw the vehicles. I saw the vehicles that she drove in. I can't, but I can't speak to the exact type of vehicle or even the gas mileage on those vehicles. I don't know if they were hybrids or not. But again, those are probably Charlie Baker's vehicles. Um, she might she might be looking to change that. I don't know, but she just became governor a week ago. Hey, listen, I got to take this break, okay. but I do appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Good evening. Hi. Hey. How are you? Good. I just want to say something to the woman that just called. I have two things to say. First of all, what difference would it make if she came in an electric vehicle? They still have to make the energy, and they use coal and gas to do it. And my second point is, how are they going to get rid of all these batteries? They have no idea. What they're going to do with all these batteries once they they've reached the end of their lives? It's a big problem for the electric vehicle industry. Can yeah, agree? Um, I think you know it still ameliorates a bigger problem because I think our you know just because something use it may use uh, like electricity does use um, uh, oil and gas to uh you know generate power doesn't mean that using it to you know using electricity to generate your car isn't more sustainable than you you know using a um you know a gas vehicle i don't agree you're still pumping the same and then how about the batteries what are they going to do with the batteries they don't know what they're going to do with all these batteries yeah um i still finding a way to dispose of the batteries is still again probably a probably preferable than some of the uh, mishaps we've seen in like, you know, um, BP oil spill, what's happening, uh, the, well, the pipeline, the 